4. Ang pagkakaisa sa Espiritu. Kaya tako na isang bilanggo dahil sa Panginoon ay nakikiusap sa inyo na mamuhay kayo gaya ng nararapat sa mga tinawag ng Diyos. Kayo'y maging mapagkumbaba, mahinahon at matyaga. Magmahalan kayo at magpasensya sa isa't isa. Sikapin na ninyong mapanatili ang pagkakaisa na kalaob ng Espiritu sa pamamagitan ng kapayapang nagbubuklod sa inyo. May iisang katawan at isang Espiritu tulad ng may iisang pag-asa na kayo'y tawagin ng Diyos. Efesios capítulo 4, versículo 5 al 7. Un solo Señor, una sola fe, un solo bautismo, un solo Dios y Padre de todos que está sobre todos y por medio de todos y en todos. Pero a cada uno de nosotros se nos ha dado la gracia en la medida en que Cristo ha repartido los dones. Efesoso 4장 8절에서 14절을 읽겠습니다. 그러므로 이르기를 그가 위로 올라가실 때에 사로잡힌 자를 사로잡고 사람들에게 선물을 주셨다 하였다. 올라가셨다 하였은적 땅 아래 곳으로 내리셨던 것이 아니면 무엇이냐? 내리셨던 그가 곧 모든 하늘 위에 오르신 자니 이는 만물을 충만케 하려 하심이니라 그가 혹은 사도로 혹은 선지자로 혹은 복음 전하는 자로 혹은 목사와 교사로 주셨으니 이는 성도를 온전케 하며 봉사의 일을 하게 하며 그리스도의 몸을 세우려 하심이니라 우리가 다 하나님의 아들을 믿는 것과 아는 일에 하나가 되어 온전한 사람을 이루어 그리스도의 장성한 분량이 충만케 한 데까지 이르려니 이는 우리가 이제부터 어린아이가 되지 아니하여 사람의 괴술과 간사한 유혹에 빠져 모든 교훈의 풍조에 밀려 요동치 않게 하려 함이니라. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. So we are celebrating Pentecost, and the color of Pentecost is red. So you you see a lot of red. This is the day that we. Remember and recognize the coming of the Holy Spirit. Um, our worship leader unintentionally or intentionally wore red, so that was pretty cool. Some of you are wearing red, um, and we have this idea that many different languages that were scattered at the Tower of Babel, when people wanted to be great and forget God, God came and scattered them. But at Pentecost, you see the reversal: the Holy Spirit comes, and all of a sudden, these these Jewish Men and women started speaking in tongues and speaking in languages that foreigners were understanding. 
And so we celebrate this unity that Christ is doing the reversal of bringing scattered people back to himself. There are two contradictions in the church today. Uh, and the two contradictions in the church today are these two things. One is disunity, this fractured nature of churches. That's a contradiction to the very nature of what it means to be Christian. And we'll hear about that. But there's a second one. And I think a lot of us, even me, may fall into it. And the second contradiction is passivity. So, for example, um, we may say something like this. Oh, wait, I, I attend that church once in a while because I'm a Christian. Versus, how does this sound? I am part of that community in the body of Christ there. There's a difference. One is I'm in passive. I come when I can. I get blessed. And when there's a wedding or a funeral or, or I need a blessing, I, I have a church to go to. The other one is that I am an active part of this body. So I, a lot of times we ask youth group kids this, and I'll ask you all. Ready? Pick a part of your body that you're willing to cut off today that you don't need. Anybody have a part? Yeah, right? Maybe a little pinky? It's gross. It's graphic. Well, the body of Christ is the gathering of all of us. Not one part says, oh, I'll, you know, I'll go to church when I can. And so when we read through Ephesians, we're at Ephesians 4, I keep going back to this theme because God keeps giving us this theme through Apostle Paul. Um, would you say amen to this? Would you agree to this? There is nothing in the world, you know, maybe that's too, hyper, too much of a hyperbole. One of the ugliest things in the world is an organization that is divided amongst itself. Would you agree to that? When you watch ESPN Sports Center, you know what always makes the highlight? Always. Whenever a player gets into a fist fight with the coach, it'll make the highlights. How many of you have seen that? It's, it's so, it's so like, tintillating. Like, people make that sells. Why? Because how could this team, a player, push the coach? How could they get into a screaming match? And so Matthew 12, 25, Jesus tells us this great rule of organization. A house divided against itself shall not stand. So unity is, is the nature, the, the DNA code of a church. So the contradiction of it is disunity. So I think following what God is trying to say to the church today is following love as a mark of believers uh, and just pretend you love each other. Go to the person, look at the person next to you and say, you are loved in Christ. Just, just humor us. Just, just do it. Come on. Just, just say, you are loved. That, after that key mark, the secondary mark of the church is unity, that we are all on the same page. It's not uniformity. You don't have to look like me, and some of you say, thanks be to God. But it's unity that, hey, in your diversity, in your gifting, in your generational background, in your ethnic background, wow, we have this harmony. That's church. How do we get to that point? Well, I was going to do this for children, and I think children weren't shy. I would ask children to come up, like five of them, and I'll make them look away, and I'll say, hey, think of a shape. You ready? Let's do it here. Think of a shape, any shape, mo the most random shape, three, two, one. What's your shape? Say, everyone say it. Did, any, did we get a match? Okay. Now, now watch this. Now look up there and think of a shape that you see that stands out. Ready? One, two, three. 
How do we get to that? Did you talk to each other? Did you say, hey, the shape I'm going to say is the cross. You say the cross. How do we get this unity? Everybody was fixed on one object, and then they were aligned. This is what A.W. Tozer said. A.W. Tozer said unity doesn't come because we say, hey, let's get along, Terry. Bill, let's get along. It doesn't come from that. He says, as a hundred pianos are tuned to one another by one pitch, one fork, bong, right? And when they're tuned to that fork, hundred pianos are tuned to each other. Unity doesn't come when we try to unify ourselves together. It comes when we all see Christ. So the, a lot of churches are like, hey, we have to get along. Hey, we are one. That's great. But if you take Christ out of that, you got nothing. So a lot of liberal churches are like, hey, we want to be united and, and speak for love. Without Christ, you don't have love. Without Christ, you don't have justice. Without Christ, you don't have peace. Without Christ, we do not have unity. So Paul brilliantly takes us out in chapter 4, and we don't have this. And he says, because Jesus is great, and, we, and I know we're Presbyterian, but today let's be a little Pentecostal. Jesus is great. Oh, man, so Presbyterian. I want you guys to go, whoo, hallelujah. Praise be to God. Ready? Jesus is great. We just confused this neighborhood that they're like, that's a Presbyterian. Jesus is amazing, great, wonderful. He is our Savior. He is our Lord. Because of that, Paul says, therefore, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Now, does that sound passive to you? Does that sound like you just sign up for a church and come whenever you can and you're just a good American citizen? Heck no. No way. Today, church is this comfortable, we'll go where we can. You are the church. Walk in a manner worthy of the call. So what does that look like? Well, with verse 2 and 3, with all humility which is thinking less of yourself, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love. Some of us were like, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm fed up. I'm fed up with, you know, so-and-so. I'm out of here. And then here's a part. Not just maintaining unity, but what do, you, what do you see in your scripture? Come on, everyone have your Bible out. Not just unity. What does it say? Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. So it's not just, hey, let's get, get along, but it's, are you driven by the desire to see this place have unity? Or are you, are you, are you the splint that's trying to fracture this community? So some of us, we're not even neutral. We're, we're creating the division. You know what? I, I really don't like this song selection. I don't know why we do this. Why, why, why red? Why, why, why are we having coffee? Why? And so we create division. But what Paul is saying is, in light of Christ's work, walk in a manner worthy of it, which is beautiful to the world. Humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another, eager to maintain unity. So I'm sorry. I, this is just the way I am. Can you turn to the person next to you, different person, say, say we need you. Just say that. Just go, ready? To say we need, we need, and even if you're new, we need you. You need me, we need you. It, 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 it's 
It's a better party when we have more people. So Christianity is not just a commitment to Jesus Christ where a lot of people end there and say, you know what? Faith is just a personal thing. I don't need to share it. I don't need to talk about it. It's just between me and God. Paul would disagree with you. Christianity is not just a devotion to Jesus Christ. What is it? It's a devotion to fellow Christians. That's what church membership is. It's not a country club. Membership is, you know what? I don't know if this is the perfect place. It probably is not. Because I look at Jason. And I, but I'm committed to being part of a community that can help me grow and for me to help them grow. And the people of God said, amen. That's the body of Christ. No, when my right hand gets cut, does my left hand say, thank God I'm okay? Right? Is that what happens? You're, you chop your finger off and you go, oh, at least my left hand is fine. Blood stripping out. No, we, the whole body hurts. So we stop the bleeding and we go to the hospital and we, we make sure it's cured. And what does Paul use as an analogy of unity? We're the body. It's a body brought together. There is one body, one spirit. He literally is talking about the church. We are the body. And the spirit is not just the Holy Spirit, but it's a simple word called ruh, the breath. We are one church sustained by the breath. As your body is breathing right now, and some of you are mad at me because I made your subconscious go to conscious, and now you're <gasps> breathing. As your body needs breath, the church needs breath, and that breath is the Holy Spirit. And we are breathing together. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. Now, Bible scholars, what is the one word you heard the most? Did I touch something? Okay. What is the one word you heard the most in the verse that I just read? Come on. One. In the first six verses, the word one is spoken eight times. One. We are one. We are one. And so we have one body, the same church, one spirit. We breathe in the Holy Spirit, and that's how we function. We have one hope. What is your hope and my hope? Please don't say, I hope it's marriage. Hey, I'm going to be honest. Some of you, may, maybe, Biola guys, maybe God calls you to celibacy and singlehood. I doubt it, but he may. Your hope is not getting the right salary, right degree. Our hope, what is our hope in the world? That Jesus Christ claims us. That the people from the farthest edge of the world who don't know Christ are found and saved and know and made one with Jesus Christ. What is the one Lord? This is a good diagnostic test of unity, why we don't have unity. Ask one another this. Don't ask, you know, what kind of songs or what the church should do. Ask this. Who is your Lord, really? One Lord. It's not the pastor. It's not the faithful member who's been here 60 years. It's not the retired pastor who made such a big print. He's, he's great, but we only have one Lord. If Jesus is your Lord and Jesus is my Lord, guess what we have? Instant, humble unity. But because we forget who the Lord is, sometimes we think we're the Lord 
or the history of the church is the Lord, or, or the denomination is the Lord, we forget and we have fractures. One Lord. Who is the Lord of this church? Is Christ every person's Lord? One faith. One faith means this. So I, that was confusing, right? What does one faith mean? We have one faith. Like, pastor, that's easy. We're Christian. Well, William Barclay uh, commenter, he says this. When they talk about one faith, it's this. It's complete commitment of surrender of the Christian to Jesus Christ. Do you have that kind of faith? Do you have that faith that I have? Do I have that faith that you have? Are we committed radically and fully surrendered to Jesus Christ? That's faith. Yes? Amen? So when he talks about faith, he's not talking about Christian or Mormon or, you know, Hindu. He's talking about faith that radically makes us committed humbly to Christ. And so the hard part about being American Christians is we like to be in control. We don't like weakness. We don't like other people telling us what to do. But the whole essence of Christianity is there has to be humble, gentle, patient, and surrendered devotion to Jesus Christ. And last two, he says, one baptism. And some Presbyterians would say, yes, they were baptized here, and we have one baptism. That's kind of what it could mean, but it's simply this, that we all have a common death, and we have a common rising in Jesus Christ, that my old self is dead. Hallelujah. And that Christ is creating a new self in me, and that's the symbol of baptism. Uh, FYI, you don't get saved because you are baptized. You do not get saved because you have a baptism. The baptism we do is the outward visual sign of the inward reality and the miracle of what God has done in you. So we baptize. But the act doesn't save. It represents the saving work of God. And that saving work of God is I've died to my old self. And Christ is my Lord and I live with him. So, this is why we say, when someone dies, we say it's a service of witness to the resurrection. Why? They have been promoted and they have graduated from this feeble body into the complete whole being. They are fully alive with Christ. This is the one baptism. And lastly, this is not surprising. How many gods do we have? One God. And, and Paul says this, he is the Father, that means he loves he is above all and controls all, meaning no matter how crazy the world is, God is always in control. Amen? I know it's hard to feel that, but it's what we believe that God does. And third, he guides and continues to sustain us with love, even today, through all. So, how do we get this unity? It comes from Jesus Christ and today, Pentecost. This unity is culminated when the Holy Spirit was poured out into you and me. Now, I, I want to really ex be excited about this. You and I share something, a bond that's so precious that the world cannot break. You and I have the common Holy Spirit living in us. Just think about just, just take a moment to think about that. You have the Holy Spirit that lives in me as well. This is where the unity comes in and all the languages... All the diversity comes together. I love CPCLM, and I will, I will 
brag about God's work and what he's doing here because the, we don't look alike. And you could say, yes, thanks be to God. But we don't look alike. How do we get this unity here? God is weaving together through Jesus Christ a people bound together in the Holy Spirit. And so we celebrate different languages. We don't dilute it. We celebrate it, enhance it. And on the day of Pentecost, they were together in one place. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like the mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave their utterance. That's for fun. Can you say, if you know English is the only language you know, say it in English. If you know any other language, say I love you on the count of three in any different language. Ready? As loud as you can. One, two, three. 사랑해요. And this constant utterance. Let's say it three times. Ready? I love you. I love you. I love you. One, two, three. 사랑해요. 매아모아. I love. It's just this rustling sound of different languages and people are walking by and they're hearing this wave and crowd. Wait a minute. Did I just hear like Portuguese? And so, can you imagine the fascination and what is God doing? Why not just gibberish? He's showing us that he is weaving together a whole one family out of the diversity through Jesus Christ. So what brought this diversity and understanding was the Holy Spirit, and that's where the church is today. So, this is why inclusivity is not going to be possible through our just niceness. A lot of people are like, hey, let's be inclusive, let's be inclusive. I think that doesn't go far enough. It doesn't come through our just kindness and well-intention. Sometimes we get a little bit self-righteous, like, oh, you self-righteous, you guys are not inclusive. I think God is the most inclusive. He brings sinners, prostitutes. He brings delusional religious people into him. How? Why? Lepers. Why? Through Jesus Christ. Through this unity that comes from him. And it radically transforms how we look at society. Do you remember the time that in American history we said, hey, people of color are not allowed to worship in here? Thanks be to God. We went back to the truth of what the gospel says. We went back to Revelation chapter 7. And there I saw a multitude, as far as I could see, of every nation, tribe, and tongue. What is God doing? He is bringing back everyone into himself. And so Christians... We see that it's only possible through Jesus Christ, and we're tuned to this, and we end with this. What's the purpose of this unity? Paul ends it here. Verse 11 through 12, and we'll wrap it up. Unity is not for unity's sake. Unity has a purpose, and that purpose is this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Ethan, could you put up verse 11 and 12 if you can? Because I think I want to, we, it's important that we see this. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. There's two things. What are the two things that he gave us this unity and the gifting of the, through the Spirit for? To equip and to build up the body. If you think that the church in America in the 21st century is going to explode because we have a pastor that we pay to do all this, you have no clue what God intends for the church. 
you are still living in this 1980s, 70s, weird, distorted Christian, Christianity country club. If you're a member of this church, guess whose job it is to equip and build up one another? Somebody say me. This is the purpose of unity. We weren't united in that answer. Um, who, who does God call to equip and build up this church? And us. And I don't know where American Christianity went off the rails, but we think we have the right pastor who could draw 5,000 people and we're the church. Paul's point is this. He gives us unity through Jesus Christ, filling us with the Holy Spirit in this diversity so we could equip the people next to you, the children, the next generation, and build up the church. How are we going to do that if we watch online worship once a month? I'm going there. How are we going to do that if we come to Easter and Christmas? No judgment on you, but we can't do the work of the church without you here. And if it's not here, I love saying this, go to a different church because you and I are connected in a different church. But don't you dare stay at home and say, it's just between me and Jesus, I am fine all you're saying is you got fire insurance and you're not going to hell. But the calling of God is this, and I'm going to end with this. Bill Locke, Sammy and I found him in his house last week. And so it was a tough, tough, weird day. And our objective at the end of the day, just to put it bluntly, was, my goodness, for the past five years, all I ever heard from Bill Locke was, I want to go home. Why does God keep me here, right? How many of you heard that? I'm just curious. How many of you heard? Look, 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 around, look around you. Why is he? So he's saying, why am I here? And so American, you know, maybe the secular world would say, oh, yeah, geez, he's just not a happy person. No, he's thrilled. He's joy-filled because he knows what's waiting for him on the other side. Death is a passing through. It's not the end of a miserable life. Where you and I get it wrong is we think this is the life we're supposed to have greatness and joy. No, that's coming. So how does Bill live? He lives with this calling to equip and build up the church, to do the most he can for as many as he can with all that he has to the very end. And so in the past couple of days, I've been in contact with many people and I see, you know, honors and things. And I'm just like, how in the world did he take out for, to lunch all these people, send letters? How in the world did he keep buying stamps that were like just, he must have mailed at least 30 cards a, a week, maybe if a day. How does he do it? I think he was living and walking in a manner worthy of his call. With humbleness, gentleness patience because to live is christ and to die is gain and so if you think church is just having my name in the role and you're good i don't know if that's what the bible will say and god agrees with you but when i look at bill i thank god oh my goodness there is a model of a person that i want to see and follow that's how we are the body of Christ. Amen? I, I don't think Bill was perfect, by the way. 
The point of it was that he's perfect. The point of it was he eagerly strived to maintain unity, to build up the church. How are you going to live? How are you and I going to have unity? What's the shape that you see? One, two, three. Let's pray. Lord, continue to humble us, not because it's weak. Continue to break us, not because you're being mean. Continue to mold us in uncomfortable ways, not because you're just a weird God who wants to make us uncomfortable, but do so because you love us and you're bringing us together to a place that we can function as the body. God, start here. Give us a revival where our eyes are taken off of ourselves and maybe even one another that they're fixed on you so that we could function in a way we are encouraged, inspired. We have a commonality, not a uniformity, but a unity in Christ. We thank you for the faithful witnesses of people that have gone ahead of us. May we fill those shoes to be a model, to equip and to build up the next generation. May we not outsource them, but may we take ownership in them. God, we know you're doing great things and you're, you're not far from being finished. May we be part of your incredible work because you have given us a spirit in us to do this. Let it be so, God. We love you. We give ourselves to you. You are our Lord. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So before we take communion,